1: Only one life will soon be passed, and only what's done for Christ will last.
2: It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better, The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood, Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everybody wins. Enjoy today's episode.
0: Men in the arena army, we we salute salute you. you. Hey guys, thank you for listening to this episode of... The Men in the Arena podcast. I'm Jim Ramos, and as you heard, I'm here with my brother from another mother, co-host and producer of the show, Dale Culver. How you doing, man? Doing wonderful, sir. I'm doing wonderful, too, man. I'm really excited about today's guest. We're doing a two-parter with this guy. We're going to talk about one thing this week and another thing next week. This guy has literally started a denomination that has grown to hundreds of churches. He's written. Like dozens of books, 60 books. One of them sold for over a million over a million copies. And he has a Bible that he has edited and authored that I actually use as my personal study Bible. And we really want to focus on that today. And I'm really, really excited about this guy. But before we get into today, do you have a man word? I do. Okay, I'm gonna go with the word. Come on, baby. Bible.
3: <laughs> Come on, now is that it? I would be lying if I changed it, wouldn't I? Oh, that's good. you
0: were. That's too easy. How about study? No, no, no. Why? Why did you pick Bible for a man word? <laughs> no, no,
3: no. I would be changing it if I said Bible. I, oh, it's
0: not Bible. Yeah, it was study. Oh. I was
3: gonna say study Bible, but I'm not allowed to have. Like, so why is fin- study a man word? Because we <laughs> there's there's a bunch of different facets there, but one of them is you need to be studying, so you're growing. But one of the things that I think is the manliest is if you're in a study with your wife. And my wife and yeah. I recently did one, uh, freedom class at our church, and it was awesome. It was so much it was for me. It was exciting to be there each week with her and to go through stuff and learn and grow together. So studying, learning, um, having those aha moments is, is uh, amazing.
0: Otherwise, you're just stagnant and you keep doing the same stuff your whole life. Yeah, leaders are readers. Leaders are learners. And uh, I loved uh, our podcast with Jason Kampatsos in his book, The Elephant in the Marriage, where he discovered that marriages that see themselves as more similar have four times greater happiness in marriage, even than those that are similar. So really, really interesting. So finding similar things to do, finding similar values, similar faith, uh, these things are super, super important. And it's one thing to go to church. It's another thing to serve Jesus and worship Jesus and seek Jesus together. Yeah. So So we see Christian couples getting divorced all the time at alarming rates. And I think a common denominator is they aren't together spiritually, even though they're doing spirituality on mm-hmm. some level. Anyway, so uh, what do you got for today as far as a review shout-out? You got anybody out there? Yeah, Fight
3: Your Battles is the little, little review here from Mr. Pfeiffer503. So... Uh, thanks for the review. That was good. He even put a threat in there. He put subscribe or else. Oh, I
0: like it. I think I know this guy. I think I. Do. I think I know this guy. <laughs> so anyway, how cool? Thanks. Yeah. I, uh, thanks, uh, unknown man. <laughs> yeah. If you're, un- I'm gonna go with Troy. Yeah. Uh, if it's if it's who I think it is. So thanks, Troy. Looking forward to seeing you sometime. Come soon, to the brother. office and get some swag, or I'll show up with my bow and we can go shoot <laughs> some arrows out there. So yeah, hey, I man, I want to brag about today's guest. Today we have Mister Gene Getz. Uh, On the other side of uh, the computer here, Gene is 87 years old. He lives in Plano, Texas with his wife of 63 years, Elaine. Uh, So when Gene was in his younger days, he was a professor for 13 years at Moody Bible Institute. Then for uh, eight years at Dallas Theological Seminary, Gene wrote, Sharpening the Focus of the Church, which led to his launch of the original Fellowship Bible Church in 1972, and this started a movement that continues today in the form of hundreds, it's like well over 400 churches around the world. So that's really, really impressive. Gene's efforts also over the years have impacted the lives of literally millions of individuals, He's written more than 60 books. Most of them grew out of his experience as a pastor. And his book, The Measure of a Man, which we will be talking about next week, has sold over a million copies. It is a classic for men. You need to add it to your library. It is still in print after over 40 years. And more than 10 years ago, Gene retired as senior pastor but was not done yet. He took on the Bible project known as a Life Essentials Study (laughs) study Bible, and its unique format includes 1,500 videos on principles to live by, Mm. and you can access those through a QR code. And I've been doing that for the last four months, and I have found that this is like the ultimate man Bible. I am really excited to bring our new friend on today. Gene, good morning.
1: Welcome. Well, good morning to you.
2: Excuse
1: me, it is good morning. (laughs) Yeah, it's great. Got to clear out the pipes here. (laughs) How's the weather down there in Plano? Uh, A little cloudy today. We've had a lot of rain.
0: Oh, yeah. uh,
1: we're doing okay.
0: Have you had the humidity happen yet?
1: Ah, yes. Yes, (laughs) yes, we have. That's Dallas, Texas.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, hey, we're going to throw you right into our rapid fire round. Are you ready for this, sir? I am. Hopefully. Okay. Well, hey, at 87, I think you've got more going on than a lot of 47-year-olds. So uh, here we go. I'm calling this the author's round. So I'm going to ask you questions that have to do with being an author. And after writing your own, like, you don't, it's writing your own, I have a hard time saying your own Bible because I realize you didn't wrote write the Bible, <laughs> no. but but you, you are the editor and you created a study Bible with your name on it. So really, really impressive. So after doing that, plus 60 books, I think you can handle this. First question. If your wife wrote a book about her life being married to you, what would it be called?
1: Whoa, that's an interesting question. What it would be called? I I don't think it would necessarily be the measure of a man because she's too humble to do that, and she wouldn't want to embarrass me. Uh, I would say life is exciting. Life is
0: exciting. Oh, that's cool. Well, hey, Gene – what insecurities surface when you write?
1: Oh, wanting to express it accurately, um, wanting to do a good job.
0: You know, it's funny. I was at church Sunday, and I had a guy come up to me, and when I would first mentioned I had met you, I, ha- I really ha- didn't know much about you before, and this guy said to me, you know, Gene Getz, he goes through all of your study books Wow. with people. And he's in a study book right now with a man. And I was like, Gene has study books? <laughs> he's like, yeah, yeah, you <laughs> can't right. believe it. So he's really excited. So uh, so hey, here's one for you. When you look back on the books you've written and you look back on the books you've read, if what is one of your all-time favorite quotes? It doesn't have to be yours. It can be somebody else's. But do you have an all-time
1: favorite quote? You know, I, I really don't. Uh, well, yeah, I do. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. <laughs> That comes from a great book,
0: yeah. From well, you Solomon. Know, well, you know, <laughs> In n Out Burger loves that book as well. They put that on the bottom of all of their uh, soda cups. <clears throat> Proverbs three, <throat> five, and six. So, right. uh, no, that, those that,
1: that, are. By the way, those are my life verses. Uh, when I became a believer at age sixteen, those verses I wrote in the beginning, of, in the front of my Bible, and I also wrote, "Only one life will soon be passed, and only what's done for Christ will last."
0: I never have heard the source of that quote. John Maxwell has quoted that a lot as well. Do you know the source of that quote? I do not know. <laughs> Nobody seems it's not, to know. It's
1: not a Bible verse,
0: obviously, yeah. but it sure is
1: reflective of Scripture.
0: Very, very powerful verse indeed, So, or a uh, quote indeed, for sure. Yeah, my life verse, it's funny how we can read the Bible over and over and over again over the course of a lifetime, and we still have these simple passages that the Holy Spirit has wrote over the... Of humanity. Mine is John 10.10. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. It's just simple. That's great. Simple. So uh, what's your, besides books you've written and besides books of the Bible, what is your all-time favorite book?
1: I would say Discipline by Grace by John Stombeck. He wrote it a long time ago, but it's based on uh, Titus chapter 2, that the grace of God teaches us, disciplines us to live a godly life. And he goes on to explain the nature of of that godly life. It's really taking uh, Titus 2, I think, beginning in verse 11, going on through about verse 16. Uh, And that was very meaningful to me because I I grew up in a a very legalistic background. I grew up in a situation where uh, I didn't understand grace, uh, didn't understand uh, what that meant, And uh, you'll be interested in this, by the way. Uh, I'm elaborating. Is that okay? Oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah, uh, yeah. my dad, way back in the 30s, on a farm, Indiana, and we were in a religious sect that didn't understand grace, didn't teach grace, very works-oriented, and he heard a voice coming from Chicago on an old battery-operated radio. It was Dr. Harry Ironside's and he spoke about grace and how you're saved by grace. And that was the beginning of his journey back in the 30s, actually in the 20s probably, which impacted my life. But even then, coming out of this religious system, I didn't really understand the assurance of my salvation until I was a student at Moody Bible Institute. And then following understanding grace through reading the book of Romans, I remember as clear as crystal, sitting at my desk, asking myself as I'm reading Romans in my devotions, when was Abraham saved? Before he was circumcised? Yeah. Before the law was given? 400 years before. When was he saved? When he believed God and God counted him for righteousness. Mm -hmm. And then I went right on into Romans 8, where Nothing can separate me from the love of God. But I still was struggling with this religious works thing. But, you know, how do I keep myself saved? Mm-hmm. Uh, how do I, what, what's the motivation for being holy? And that's when I got John Stombeck's book, Disciplined by Grace. In other words, when we understand grace, that's the motivator for living a godly life.
0: Well, and I really liked your uh, your your uh, life essentials video on Ephesians chapter two because you addressed grace, and it's exactly right. what I've always believed, and I really do appreciate it. Isn't it interesting? So here I am talking to you, Gene. You know uh, you're getting, you know, you're a couple of years away from ninety, and you're going back and you're reflecting on your dad's faith. We just celebrated Father's Day, and uh, one of our phrases here is "When a man gets it, everyone wins." Isn't it interesting how? Our faith and our journey and a lot of things we think about life are so guided by our fathers. Oh, absolutely. Right.
1: And he was, you know, he graduated, well, the sixth grade. He never went beyond the sixth grade. Couldn't speak good English. His German was worse. Uh, But he loved the Lord. And once he understood grace, wow. It, it was just a freeing experience for him and, uh, impacted my life.
0: Do you, here's a question that's off script. And I, I think I actually, actually this was on one of your videos. Do you think that we are struggling in our modern culture to teach a gospel of cheap grace? Do you see yeah, that as I a problem so. today?
1: Yeah, I, I think so. I, I, um, Easy believ- believism. Yeah. Oh, that's what word. you called it. Yep. Yeah, that's another word that is used. And um, uh, that concerns me because I, as I look through the scriptures, uh, salvation really was based on an understanding of the gospel and what it really means to commit your life to Christ. I'm not limiting what God can do, but I think we're so concerned, Jim, about perhaps reaching the unsaved. Uh, which Who can argue against that? Great commission. But I think sometimes we water down the Scriptures and the message for fear we're going to run people off. But I have found in my experience, if you teach the Word of God with love and grace, that people love that, even though they don't know Christ. They want to know more. And uh, so I think we have to be careful that we don't water down the gospel.
0: Well, Gene, so I, don't, I, don't, I have not known you. I don't know much about you up until maybe late April. But when I was, I've been going through your studies and I've been going through your videos, I saw a picture of the original Fellowship Bible Church. Right. And it looks like a large church. And I'm listening to your teaching because I hear your teaching every day. I'm listening to your teaching every day, five-minute video, eight-minute video, 12-minute video. And I'm going, this guy grew a denomination. I'm calling it a denomination. I know that you don't call it that, but when you have no. over 400, 500 churches, that's something beyond a fluke. You know, there's something going on here. It's
1: more of a movement. It's a, a
0: movement. A movement, okay. But <clears throat> how, you know, a lot of churches now have a recipe to follow that you almost don't even need the Holy Spirit. You just follow this recipe for mega churches. But when I hear you speak, you are almost opposed to that stuff. How did you grow Fellowship Bible movement?
1: Well, I, I certainly believe in, um, you know, you, you have, it, wherever you have function, you have form. Yes. Okay, you can't function without form. The problem is that, and one of the motivators in starting the fellowship church is I felt that we were driven more by form and structure, mm. kind of baptizing it with the Great Commission rather than going back to the Great Commission and looking at how it was done and look at the function. And the principles that emerged for the function and then allow the form to develop for that particular cultural moment. Hmm. And that's what we did with the original fellowship church. I, I spoke from Acts 242 in our original group, and I said, Look, they continued in the apostles' teaching. That's the word of God. They continued in fellowship, breaking bread, eating together, praising God together. And the Lord added to the church as people were being saved. Well, what you have there is function, no form, but there was form, but God didn't outline the form hmm. for fear we'd copy it. Interesting. And that's what I think we do often is we get locked into form, we get the cart in front of the horse. And so basically what I did is I started with principles And I said, here are the principles that emerge from the functions. Now, what form do we need in Dallas, Texas at this moment in 1972? And that's how we let the forms emerge. We had structure, definitely had structure because you can't function without form. It's just that we shouldn't allow form uh, to get in front of the, the, the horse as it were. And I think today, one of the problems is we develop a form in our culture and, I, and I'm not against megachurches. I pastored three or four and started 10 of them here in Dallas, Texas. But uh, I, I think one of the problems is if we're not careful, we, we develop something that works in our culture, and then we go around the country and say, if you do this, uh, you'll have success too. Yeah. And that's unfair to pastors. Yes. What we need to do is share, here are the functions, here are the principles, now let the forms emerge that work in your culture. And I think that's basically what God outlines for us in the New Testament.
0: Man, that's just so powerful. I every, wish every pastor could hear what you just said. That's very, very powerful. Hey, why don't we do this in, in about five minutes? Why don't you just share your journey, your story? Uh, where are you where you're from? I know you're from a dairy farm in Indiana. You know, you know. Tell us a little bit about that. Your hobbies, career, just anything that you think would be pertinent perfect. In five minutes,
1: you want me to do all that?
0: Well, and I'm telling a pastor that. So, how about take? I'll tell you five, and I'll let you take ten.
1: Okay, okay. Grew up in Indiana on a farm, um, no electricity, no indoor plumbing uh, until I was six years old. But that's when my dad really began to understand the gospel. Uh, impacted me. We moved to another part of the, of the area and I began to listen to uh, a radio station coming out of Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. Um, it was a children's program. When I was eight years old, uh, I responded and, and put my faith in Christ. I don't think, I'm not sure I was saved at that moment, but I know I was saved when I was 16. That's when I drove the stake in the ground,
3: hmm. was
1: listening to the radio. Heard students from Moody on radio talking about their ministry, what they're doing, their goals, and I thought, you know, I need to go to Moody and learn something. And remember, now I'm still in this sect that was anti-education, oh. literally anti-education. Oh, whoa! And uh, and they certainly were anti-training ministers. You just got up and spoke and let the spirit speak. And I was listening to some of the stuff coming out of their mouths, and I. I knew that wasn't accurate. I mean, something was wrong. But anyway, didn't have the assurance of my salvation yet, but I got that at Moody. Uh, Went to Montana. I was on radio there. I was involved in music, a radio quartet in Montana for two years. Um, The Montana Gospel Crusade. Finished my college, came back to Wheaton College. Got my master's. Got an invitation to teach at Moody. Believe it or not, (laughs) I can't believe it. I was... I was uh, 23 years old, and I think I have the record of being the youngest uh, faculty member at Moody Bible Institute. I was teaching students my age. Some were older. I was there, um, actually, for 13 years. Then I received a a call from uh, Dr. Howard Hendricks, Prof. Hendricks. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I were were great friends and uh, ministered together, and Howie called me and said, Gene, I want you to be my associate at Dow Seminary. You come on down here and uh, I'm going on sabbatical. And uh, then in a year, I'll come back and you'll be my associate. But in the meantime, you'll take over the department. And uh, so I hit the campus in 1968, which, by the way, Jim was right in the middle of that anti institutional movement, uh, you mm-hmm. know, marching on Washington, make love, not war, mm-hmm. free speech movement, um, anti just about everything. And that's when I got questions from the students as to um, who were influenced by this. Some of them were just converted off the college campus through crusade, which was wonderful. But they came to Dallas Seminary after graduating UCLA or whatever, didn't know Genesis from Revelation. All they knew is the four spiritual laws and the, you know, and the Holy Spirit booklet, which yep. is fine. But I remember one of these guys said, Gene, maybe guys are gonna bypass the church and use something else. Well, I, I knew guys aren't gonna bypass the church. Yeah, Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But what happened was I realized, Jim, and this is something that changed my life. I realized I hadn't prepared that course to answer their questions. So I came, this is the middle of the semester. I came to the uh, class, about a 200 guys in two classes. And I said, guys, throw away the syllabus throw it in the crash can. We're going to go back to these syllabus. This was on a Thursday. We're going to back to the Great Commission and then go through the book of Acts and see how what God intended the church to be. Thir- Tuesday, I was going to meet. What am I going to do? So I went to the seminary all day Saturday, all day Sunday, took the Great Commission, started taking notes. How did they make it? Read through the epistles, read through the whole New Testament from the great commission on and i had eight uh, about 28 pages single spaced of notes i took it to the class on tuesday and i said guys here what i here's what i did on the weekend take it and look at it and that was the beginning of about a two or three year process where i wrote a book i didn't plan to write sharpening the focus started church never planned to start first fellowship bible church and then i became a pastor after having been a professor for 20 years and uh, that I hadn't planned to do. And that was the beginning then of really my writing career in terms of the books that I've written since then. Retired 15 years ago. Got a call from Broadman Holman, totally unexpected. Gene, would you take our new translation and do a Principles to Live by Study Bible from Genesis to Revelation? (laughs) You can do it in a couple of years with everything you've written. I thought, well, I'm passing my baton as a senior pastor. I bought into it, hello, seven years later, (laughs) after literally four days a week for seven years. My wife says five days a week, Gene. I actually (laughs) uh, finished that project, which you've talked about, the Life Essentials Study Bible. So uh, that has opened up a whole new, the last 15 years, a whole new arena ministry and once it came off the press as you know those videos were available anywhere in the world yeah and so god is enabling we just this last week we sent we just shipped 200 bibles to pastors in india and we pay for them we ship them that's our purpose for every bible we sell we give one away and uh and god's just opened up doors like you wouldn't believe they're building a life essentials training center right as we speak in uh, in Africa in Uganda wow. just to train pastors and how to use this bible they've had no training yeah 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 they've had, and for them it's a seminary in a box so anyway
0: period wow we well, you know that's <laughs> you, you know these uh, underdeveloped nations need help so badly with our organization we send any of our curriculum resources to any missionaries or underdeveloped nations for free we just want to get them in their hands. We don't want money right. to be an issue, and so I appreciate that with you. And and also what what people will learn again uh, later on in the podcast. We've actually partnered with you. The Men in the Arena has partnered with the Life Essentials Study Bible, and uh, we're do- offering some cool stuff for our guys. So I thank you about that. I thank you uh, for wow. doing that. So hey, man, you are. I mean, I know you hear this a lot, but you're you're an anomaly. You're 87 years old. You're traveling around the world speaking. Uh, I met you in Albany, New York this year. And it was funny because here's, you know, what, 900, 1,000 guys, and I'm keynoting this event, and people are like, what was the cool thing about keynoting this event? And I go, this guy named Gene Getz came up to me on Friday (laughs) night and just randomly prayed for me. He didn't even know who I was. And I'm getting mic'd up to speak on the next morning, and he comes up and prays again. I go, honestly, that was the highlight of my event, that this guy who I've never met before was directed by the Holy Spirit to pray for me and uh gave me his bible and man it was wonderful so you know you, you would think <laughs> i'd be bragging you. about the event but i'm telling people about Gene gets uh, uh listening Thanks to the for holy spirit During
1: <laughs> that moment
0: that yeah. that was that was a great time i was like why did that guy come and pray with me so you know you're 87 years old so what what motivates you gene you should be retired you tried to retire you couldn't retire what 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 is your what what motivates you to stay white hot for jesus and for ministry
1: well um only one life will soon be passed and only what's done for Christ will last. Um, That's a very meaningful thing to me. And I was meditating too. you. You mentioned Philippians and I don't know if you got to chapter four and I've just been thinking about what Paul said to the Philippians. He said, and they had sent him a gift. He was in prison. And he said, it's not the gift. He said, I'm building your bank account in heaven. And that just impressed me. He used actually an accounting metaphor. I'm building your bank account in heaven. And I thought, wow, that motivates me. People who donate, people who give, just think of being able to build their bank account in heaven, their rewards in heaven. But the bottom line is, what are we going to do with those crowns? According to revelation, we'll spend eternity laying them at the feet of Jesus. Yeah. And, uh, that's, that's very motivating to me.
0: Well, you know, it's interesting. And and one other
1: thing, to whom the Lord has given much, he expects much. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, God just given me opportunities, has opened doors. You know, for a guy that comes off the farm in Indiana, I flunked a composition exam entering Moody. I couldn't even finish a sentence. I've come to Moody because, and I had to take remedial composition. My English was bad. I was saying, uh, "We done it." I, my dad always said, "We we was." And I had to study, make up for my grammar, and then a guy believed in me. Jim, a guy at Moody, a professor, saw potential in me and said, Gene, you have ability. He believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. Mm. And he said something, he said, someday I want you to come back and teach at this institution with me. That went in one ear and out the other, but he never left me alone. And after I graduated Moody, went on for more education, he still kept in touch with me, encouraged me to come back to Wheaton and work on my master's degree. And while I was working on my master's degree, gave me a call one day and said, Gene, there's an opening in the evening school, one course that you can teach. This is your opportunity. And that was the beginning. I mean, that guy believed in me when I didn't believe in myself. And that was Hendricks? That was, no, that was Harold Garner, Dr. Harold Harold Garner. Garner. Okay. He's with Jesus. Uh, now. And by the way, yeah. he and his wife, they both taught at Moody and they both came into my office one day and said, Jane, I was single. You need to meet this girl in my class by the name of Elaine. You just need to meet it." And they set me up for a date in Wheaton, out in Wheaton. So I owe a lot to them. Yeah, you do. I owe a lot <laughs> to people who really believed in me. And you know something, Jim, here's an interesting thing. I worked with Hendricks for a number of years Well, actually about uh, seven years full-time. And recently, when Howie was failing, and he's with Jesus, as you know, Mm -hmm. and um, I got together with him. Uh, I said, Howie, I'd like to take you to dinner. So my wife and I met with him and Gene, his wife. I said, Howie, I've got only one thing, one, one point in the agenda tonight to say thank you believing me and giving me the opportunity and the freedom at Dallas to do what I did, which led me into this church planting. And he looked at me and he said, Gene, he was, he was so appreciative. He said, I can almost count on one hand or two, the guys that I built into that have, they don't look back over their shoulder and Mm. say, thank you. And so I did something in his later years. I was in California. A guy comes up to me says, boy, Howie meant so much. to me. I said, have you ever told him? Well, really not. I said, do you want to? He said, uh, yeah. I pulled out my cell phone. I took my cell. I have Howie's number. I dialed it. Gene answers. I said, Gene, uh, I got some guy here that knows Howie and he wants to say something to him. And so Howie gets on the phone. Howie, here's a guy who wants to talk to you. And I handed the phone and this guy said, Oh, Dr. Hendricks, prof, you meant so much to me. Mm-hmm. And that just helped in the final years of De- Howie's life. I did that gym about 10 times in different parts of the country. When guys would come up to me and say, Howie meant so much to me. I said, have you told him?
3: Mm-hmm. Well,
1: not really. Yep. That's what motivates me, someone who really believed in me and I, I realized that, and I made a point to thank them for what they did because without their believing in me and giving me the opportunities, I never would have taken on these challenges. A guy who flunked composition, and about four or five years later, I wrote my first book. Man. Think about that. Oh,
0: well, it's interesting. Uh, his book, I, he wrote a book called How Hendricks... Color Outside the Lines.
1: Yeah, yeah, he wrote that.
0: And that book yeah, was monumental wrote. in my creative process, my visioneering, my sermon prep. Mm-hmm. And to this day, I and just yesterday I go, I need to get up and take a break. And I was go, doing what he said in the book. So to this day, and I would really encourage our guys to reach out and say thank you. I just called my eighth grade PE teacher. He's 82 years old. I called him uh, two months ago to thank him for one sentence that he said to me when I was an eighth grader.
1: Whoa! So, I bet it blew him away.
0: Yeah, he said it made his day. I'd like to think it at least made his week.
1: So- <laughs> oh, yeah. well, he—that's what he meant. Yeah, and that's so really important. And so you know, it's
0: really interesting, Gene. I've had to learn how to speak English because I too, as you, as you yourself said, I was great at speaking redneck. and so but you know
1: what's really interesting when I when I had to learn tone you had to learn tone yeah
0: exactly yeah you're right get that yeah stop extending those consonants but you know it's really interesting when I listen to you teach on in your life essentials bible in your one of your 1500 videos I was expecting something uh I don't want to say deeper I more intellectual but your teaching style is so simple, and in your book *The Measure of a Man*, it's so simple. It's it's profound how simple it is, and and men I think resonate with your style because you just say it the way it is. You use the Bible everywhere, and you're you know sometimes educators take something very simple and make it complex. That's but right. You're a communicator. You make something complex and make it really simple. And I do want to say this, I want to thank you for something. You mentioned it, and it's just funny, I got my eyes teared up, Dale looked at me. For the last three months, you know, when I talk to people, you know, how are you doing, what's God saying, what's God doing? And for the last three months, I've been telling people this, man, God's really put on my heart fundraising, we need, to, we need some money, we need to raise like a, quite a bit of money for the organization to do some things I'd like to do with staffing. And I was having some issues with timidity, you know, the one-on-one meeting, and, oh, yes. I, and I watched your video on Philippians 4.17. Really? Isn't this funny? And I walked away going, I have never thought of fundraising. I've never thought of my ministry that way. I always thought, buy into the vision, buy into the vision. And you inspired me through the Word of God to tell people, and I've been telling them constantly, let me work for your reward. Pray yes. for us serve in our ministry, give financially. And there's a pressure, right, on a leader to do that. But it's actually been inspiring to me to realize I get up in the morning now and I'm working to build the account of other people.
1: You're really giving them a wonderful opportunity. And by the way, I have found, though it's not always easy, I have found that they really appreciate the fact that you've asked. Most people do. As long as you don't put them under pressure. Yeah. And uh, in fact, I found that people with money really appreciate being asked, especially when you say, if you can, I know you will. If you can't, you'll say you can't. But I want to thank you anyway for who you are and what you've done. And they're honored to be asked. They're honored that you believe that they could even do that. Yeah. And uh, I learned that from a businessman who taught me that. Yep. He said, Gene, don't be intimidated just ask and you're doing us a favor I have a businessman wow yeah. what a different perspective <laughs> I have a business and
0: friend he says hey you have because you have not because you asked not <laughs> right so that's it's, the way
1: they, that's the way they think
0: well but we don't think that way because we're pastors and right. we don't have that's you know right. some of the means but so I, you know it's really interesting I had never heard of Holman Christian standard version of the Bible before I opened the life Essentials Bible because when I saw this I thought now my original Bible is my go-to is a New American standard and the Bible I have is published by Holman but when I saw Holman Christian standard Bible I thought okay what's going on here instantly I'm just telling and I did this in your presence you probably didn't notice this instantly I turned to John 1930 Jesus said it is finished and if there's mm-hmm. not an exclamation point there I don't really want to do have anything to do with this Bible so I saw the exclamation point. I thought, okay, thank you, Jesus, right? But but then I went to the front of the Bible, and, and there are three different, basically, well, there's paraphrased versions of the Bible, which I would say that's not even a Bible. But then you have your your formal or literal equivalence. You, right. you have, number two, you have your dynamic or functional. So uh, a literal or formal would be a New American Standard version of the Bible. Uh, a dynamic or functional Bible translation would be... Uh, New International Version, uh, for example, but Holman Christian Standard Bible—they boast of being optimal equivalence. Right. Will you
1: explain that to us? Well, basically, uh, the optimal equivalence really refers to be as close to the Greek and Hebrew as you possibly can, and yet make the language friendly. In other words, you know the King, the Old King James, which is great. Is, is as literal as possible, and they wanna be as close to that literalness as possible, but to have the friendliness of the NIV, but to lean towards the optimal equivalence, as close as possible, equivalent. How's that for taking a big concept making simple? Well, you're, you're the master. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Howie Hendricks always said, put the cookies on the lower shelf.
0: And make so sure they they're can... soft enough so you don't have to dip them in <laughs> milk. <laughs> uh,
1: well, you're taking the metaphor a little further. That's well, okay. I,
0: I am a large man who loves <laughs> chocolate chip cookies. Hey, no, I really do appreciate <laughs> that. And you know, with the for the, with the dynamic translations of the Bible, I love the fluidity. Uh, I read a New Living Translation for my one year Bible. It's very fluid. It, it, it's easy to read. But I really love my New American Standard. I've worn this thing out in the last twenty five years. Sometimes the reading can be a little bit awkward because they're so literal and sometimes the new living translation can be a little bit watered down because it's so fluid right but the this this optimal uh, this this optimal equivalence, I really, really have enjoyed uh, reading through it and with your QR code with a QR code with my card reader, I just take my cell phone, hit that thing and boom up pops a video. One of your 1500 videos, You shared earlier that this was not your idea. I thought it was your idea. So can you walk us through the process? This is a grueling process. You're in your 80s producing 1,500 videos, not to mention the videos that you now have
1: on the measure of the man book, measure of a man book. Right, right. And I'm redoing all of the videos, by the way. In fact, tomorrow night I'll be doing uh, principles from 1 Timothy. And once we get those done... In about a week or two, David, my guru, will replace what I did uh, seven or eight years ago. And so we keep replacing, taking everything to high def because we didn't have that capability when we first did it. But oh, here's, okay. here's, here's the miracle. The miracle is that when I got this invitation, I went to David, David and I said, David, I know I've got to research and I've got to write it and I've got to teach it to a live audience. He said, well, let's videotape it all. Do high quality so we can put it on the web just to let people follow. Well, here's the miracle, Jim, we did not realize. The Bible, I was six years into the project going into the seventh year. The Bible was already laid out in Denmark with the principles and everything laid out, minus the QR codes. And here I get this call from Broadman and Holman saying, Gene, you've got all of this in video. We can take now and and say what happened was, during that six years, YouTube didn't exist. Yeah, yeah. QR code technology to access videos didn't exist. And so that came into into existence as I was finishing the project. But in God's providence, we had all 1,500 videos on the web already. Wow. We could never have reproduced six years of teaching. And so we, were eight, we had eight months to edit all those videos, get them on the web, connect them to the QR codes, get the imprinted QR codes. When the Bible came off the press, the videos were available anywhere in the world. But now the last seven years I've been redoing them. Because 1,500 videos, that's a lot. That's over 300 hours of teaching. And what you watched in Philippians, um, well, yeah, those are the new ones. Because I've redone Philippians. I just did redid Philippians probably about uh, six months ago. And they've already replaced what I did, you know, the first go around. And uh, so uh, I'm really committed to making sure, and David is, that we have the highest quality possible. And I want people to see me as I am, not as I was, you know, at 87. And hopefully, if the Lord Jesus comes, uh, after I'm gone, um, they'll be using it in the tribulation period, (laughs) accessing the videos and having the gospel. Why why isn't that a possibility? Yeah. You know, so that's another motivational factor.
0: No, I really do appreciate it. Hey, I got a question. I'm curious. I, I watch these every, except for when we had the Bible you gave me, we had it stamped with our brand on it, because we're going right. to tell our, our listeners about that later on, except for the couple of days I didn't have it. I've been, I lead, listen to these every day. It seems like you've got an audience in there. I thought I heard somebody cough one time.
1: Who's oh, out yeah, there? I'm, right. See, I'm right now I'm in a studio, and uh, tomorrow night this will be a living room. And I'll have about 25 people. Really? So I'm talking, I've taught people. I, the first go around, Jim, I had people who stayed with me for seven years, seven years. And this second go around, I've got people that have been with me since the beginning. And some of them go back to the first seven years. They've been that faithful. And uh, so I'm teaching them. I'm not just talking yeah. to a whoever, I'm teaching them. And uh, that's why you'll see me looking and, and relating to them. And I'm right here behind a podium. And this, what you see behind me is, is there, yeah. basically. And uh, uh, yeah, to me, being with a live group is what is motivational.
0: How many videos will you typically do in one setting?
1: Seven. I try to do seven. Uh, Yeah, this coming tomorrow night, I'll do seven. Uh, And they range, you know, from, I try to keep them about 12 minutes, um, sometimes up to 15. That's another thing I've got to watch. The second time through, you know, I see so much more and, you know how that goes. Well, Mark, but, uh, you
0: know Mark's Gospel, sixteen chapters, and somebody said, "Oh, we got to add a little bit to this," and then we have yeah. Matthew and Luke. You know? <laughs> and then yeah. John said, "Wait, we need to add a whole different thing yeah, over here." Right. So,
1: so well, you know, I tell people too when I speak and uh, on using the the videos, they can sit in their living room and they can connect it to the big screen TV for a small group. And I said, you can pick any part of what I say, just you know, or use the whole video. And uh, I said, the good thing about it is that uh, you can turn me off anytime you want. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> oh,
0: so I, I in one of your videos you alluded to Elaine being in the room. Is she there?
1: Yeah, she sits right, right over there to my right. So, yeah. how- she, you know what? I think in the last 14 years, when I've taught these, and I don't do it every week, obviously. But in the last 14 years, I think she has missed two or three sessions. She has been there to support me. And when she hasn't, she's been sick. (laughs) I mean, that motivates me. I'm telling you, to have my wife sitting there listening to me teach. And she's excited about this project.
0: So I would imagine, don't take this wrong, (laughs) but being (laughs) being married to you would be tough. You're so motivated to serve Jesus. How how does how does she? I mean, what are her thoughts? Is she like, keep going, man, charge hell with a squirt gun? You know, what? Is, what well, are her thoughts on back, your motivation?
1: Yeah. Could I go back to you said if she wrote a book about me? Yes. What would it be titled? <laughs> It'd be entitled. He was easy to live with. Oh really? <laughs> I thought it was going to be. He'll never retire. <laughs> no, I I have to tell you, Jim, that I learned something when I came to Dallas to teach, and I have to share this briefly. I had been so busy finishing my doctorate, it took me nine summers to finish my doctorate. And uh, she was so faithful and entertaining the kids when I was working on Saturdays on, on my thesis. And I just, I was it was wall to wall. Moved to Dallas, and uh, I got up to go down to the seminary. I had four classes that morning. And she didn't get out of bed. And I said, honey, what's wrong? And she said, I can't go on this way anymore. Mm, wow. She said, you always have said, when, then. When, then. Yeah. And when is here, but nothing has changed in your schedule. And boy, did that get my attention. Mm-hmm. I mean, she'd been so faithful, supporting me all these years. And she was looking for the end, as it were, where I'd have more time. And boy, I called the seminary, first time I ever canceled anything, canceled all four classes. I said, I've got an emergency, I can't be there. And I sat and I listened to her and I began to understand what she had committed, what I had taken for granted and so, um, basically went out in the, once a week went out, we had a book written by a secular person, but I can't, and I can't remember the name of the book even, but it was secular. Great ideas on how to communicate, how to listen. And in fact, we both wrote a book together after that Oh, wow. called the measure of measure of marriage. And then it became partners for life. But, uh, boy, um, that was a big change point. And I've, I changed at that point. And she would, she would tell that story, I'm sure. But you know what she would say? Bless her heart. She would say, Gene, uh, was, he, he was transmitting, but I had my receiver so low that I wasn't hearing everything. And, and he was not hearing me. And so she would say, I was not transmitting to him either how I was feeling. Oh, wow. Yeah. But then she said his receiver was down and wasn't hearing even what I was saying. And so that's when I really learned how to listen and not take her commitment for granted. And uh, that was a change point in our life. And um, I'm so thankful for that time. And even now, um, as busy as I am, uh, boy, I just try to spend as much time as possible with her. And uh, we love to just get in the car, drive, you know, go somewhere, just, you know, and um, so we've learned some things. I've learned some things, but I'm, I'm so thankful for Elaine's commitment to me because during those days when I was really wall to wall, which I kind of took you know, this is life. I had to make some changes because that wasn't fair to her.
0: Yeah. That's one of the phrases Shanna will say to me often. I'm married to a strong dynamic woman who doesn't let me off the hook, which I really am thankful for. We need more strong women in this world. She said, I know you're hearing me. She'll say this fairly often, not as much anymore. I know you're hearing me, but are you listening?
1: Yeah. (laughs) That reminds me, I was driving down the road one day and she was in a you know, over by my side and she was talking and all of a sudden, um, everything went silent. And then she said, hello, anybody home over there? Uh, And then I said, oh, 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 oh. You know, my mind was a thousand miles away. Yeah. And I often say, guys, don't fake it. Just say, hey, I was preoccupied. And that's one of our tendencies. Oh, for sure. You know, as men is to be preoccupied and I had to say, honey, I'm sorry. Please, I'm sorry. I really want to hear you.
0: That is, I want to listen. that's such good input and advice. Hey, back to uh, the Life Essential Study Bible. As I'm going through it, I have went <clears throat> through Philippians, through all, Philippians through Second Thessalonians. Wow. And what I've noticed, and just every day, and what I do, Gene, and th- this is the beauty of this, and this is where I had the idea to partner with you with our men. Is I read one section of scripture that has a QR code, and really it it's five to ten verses. It's really a small passage. You've done a great job of putting a lot of uh, life principles, life essentials videos in there. So I'll read one passage that has a video. I'll watch the video. Now it appears to me that you have a theme, at least in the epistles that you're running. Now, I don't know if this theme runs throughout the Bible, but you have a theme, and I want you to talk to me about this. I don't think it's a fluke. I think it's per- purposeful. And your theme in the New Testament, and you really have a theme of teaching spiritual leadership. So your focus in these videos is spiritual leadership. But more than that, when it, regarding the church, you talk a lot about faith, hope, and love. Right? Is that purposeful?
1: Well, it is purposeful because it's in the Bible. (laughs) The theme really emerges from the Scripture. Um, You know, I want those principles to really represent what that passage is teaching. And that's why in the little commentary, I explain how this comes from that passage. And that's why I've embedded those principles right in the text. Because, you know, there are a lot of great study Bibles, but a lot of them uh, most of them have sidebars with comments or footnotes, and it's hard to connect the truths to the passage. Yes, And I wanted the principle to be embedded right in the passage so people could see how that principle comes from the passage and is a supracultural truth, an enduring truth. Then I explain in that little commentary how it comes from the passage, but then I get to that question for reflection and response, mm-hmm. That is where you take that principle in your culture, whether it's California or Texas or Brazil in a little rainforest village or, you know, in Jordan, Amman, Jordan. And you take that principle and you apply it to your culture. And that's what makes the... That's why it's being used all over the world. Yeah. Because I don't talk... In the, when you read my commentaries, I don't talk about my experience. No. I don't talk about Dallas, Texas. But when you get to the question of application, I illustrate from my experience so that a person who's in, you know, in Africa, a pastor can hear my experience, but he sees my experience in the context of the biblical supracultural principle and he can relate it to his culture. Even though my experience doesn't relate to his, he can see how it relates to my culture, but then he can think, wow, that principle applies to me and my culture. So there's design there. There's a a very significant design in the Bible.
0: Well, now, here's another design, and I'm not sure where it came from, but I just randomly opened to Philippians. That's my favorite book of the Bible. So I just turned to Philippians. Uh, I went down to... uh, Principle number two to live by. And, and you have this thematically throughout. And I'm wondering if you're targeting specifically men, if you're targeting specifically pastors, but this seems to be a theme throughout where you will say something like this, spiritual leaders should. So yes. that phrase is thematic throughout at least the epistles that I'm going through. Was that you on know, purpose? A great, obs-
1: great observation, but I think probably uh, that happens in the, um, the epistles that were written, the pastorals and the, the prison epistles, particularly. And that's where I've been. Yeah. And I, I think that would be a focus because I think it emerges from the passage. But I think if you go back, uh, into all 1500, you'll see pretty much of a balance to the whole body okay, as well as the leadership. Uh, that's an interesting observation because, um, Maybe that's a subjective element I wasn't even aware of. Well, but, to me, but I, yeah. <laughs> to
0: me, when I read it, I yeah. thought this Bible was written for men because you you use that a lot. Spiritual leaders, even in the prison epistles, where he's not necessarily addressing leadership model mm-hmm. principles, and so I thought it was really interesting. Which, yeah. which is why that I'm so intrigued by this. Will you do me a favor here and just give us a, a little rundown. I mean, I know how I use the Bible and I use it de- every day, which for a pastor means, you know, 5 days a week. <laughs> right. And so, and so I use it, you know, every day of the week. Usually four to four to six times a week. How should somebody if a guy goes online and buys this Bible, Life Essential Study Bible by Holman Holman, what's the company Holman Broadman?
1: Broadman Holman.
0: Broadman Holman, if I buy this Bible, take it home, you as the author and editor, how should I use it?
1: Well, there are a lot of possibilities. One is you could use it with your wife. Um, you could actually, uh, and there are various ways you could do that. You have an agreement uh, together where you both um, read the passage ahead of time. And then you sit down you watch the video and you read the question and discuss the application. You can do it on your own. I have a businessman in McKinney, Texas, um, runs a huge operation and he uses it at his desk. He can multitask. He's one of these guys. Oh, gosh, <laughs> He's gone through my whole Bible watching the videos. Wow. That's the way he uses it. Um, uh, you know, what I really suggest though is for guys is to get, maybe once a week meet with a guy and, you know, at uh, Starbucks or somewhere and uh, go through the principles, watch the video, maybe agree to watch the videos ahead of time or watch them right there. If it's a quiet booth, uh, there's just so many ways that it's it's applicable. And uh, and by the way, I'm just going back to what you thought, I'm really processing. I would hope that somebody who reads those principles might say, you know, Gene, I think you were talking to me. I'm not a pastor. <laughs> yeah, for I'm sure. not a spiritual leader. I'm a member of the body, and you just said something to me. I, I want to think about that. that. That's an interesting observation you just made.
0: Well, and we're focusing on men, and most of our men are we call them men in the arena? They're men who are in the stress bubble. They're raising kids. They're married. They're, they're doing the thing, man. And and one of the things that they are learning, and one of the things that is very difficult, I think, in the church is to address spiritual leadership and what that looks like. And right. so I see that throughout your your uh, your Bible here, and I love it. And what I love about your Bible, I, there's a couple things I love. I love the tabs, easy to find if guys don't have the, the books of the Bible memorized. But I love the fact that in the back you have a pretty extensive concordance, but even better, in the front you have a principle finder. Now... Right. Principle. When I say principle, as it relates to your Bible, principle equals principle equals video to me. So a principle is a video plus the principle, and so I can literally have a Bible study with guys and go, "Okay, I want to do a study on um, disciple spiritual discipleship." I can go in here and on page uh, Roman numeral uh, seventeen. I have five, three videos I can go right to, look at the principle, look at the verse and look at the video.
1: Yeah, you can do that. Yeah, let's say you want to you want to do a study on depression. You just look, there are 241 topics where I've put all 1500 principles under those 241 topics. If you went to depression, for example, you would see three principles that relate to Elijah's depression, three that relate to David's depression. One, I believe, that uh, relates to Jeremiah's depression. And you could have a study there on seven videos, seven principles on depression. Now, I would say it this way. I know how you're stating it. I would say there are 1,500 videos, 1,500 principles, and 1,500 videos where I teach those 1,500 videos, or 1,500 principles. That's the way I would say it. Okay. 1,500 principles, but I have 1500 videos where I teach those 1500 principles
0: and there are 241 what topics
1: topics where all, fi- all 1500 principles are okay. categorized and with those 1500 or there's 241 topics are 1500 videos. Okay. I, I'm
0: not going to argue with the author. That's for sure. It's just, I'm trying
1: to understand. So this, but I'm, I'm really
0: enjoying this. So, okay. I'm a guy listening to this podcast and I'm going QR code. What in the world is this? This is too technical. Can you just walk these guys through what a QR code is, where they might see it and how they could get a card reader?
1: (laughs) Well, any, yeah. Well, in terms of a QR code, uh, guys have seen these for a long time. They're on ketchup bottles, you know, in the restaurant. But, uh, the QR code has now been developed with access to video and it's just a, uh, an imprint in the Bible or 1500 of them. And we happen to have developed our own app. It's called the life essentials QR reader. And that's a special one. It took us a year, by the way, to develop that app. And, and, uh, basically that particular QR reader will, you just simply download it on your phone. It's free, you just go to your app store and you can download it and it'll come up, QR reader. And so, uh, there it is, you know, on your phone, you you go to that particular QR reader, you put it over that little image in the Bible, 1500 of them, up pops the video. And uh, so, uh, by the way, I always tell people, if you wanna know how to use QR codes, Ask your six year old. Yeah, for sure. They will tell you. <laughs> hey by the you know something else? Our generation is learning it so fast that now when I speak in a church and at the end of my message I explain it and I visualize it on the screen. Before the service is over, they've down they're downloading videos. And it's my age. They're learning. Wow, that's awesome. And coming to grips with it. I think they're learning it from their their grandkids, oh, for sure.
0: <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, it's easy. I've got a, the QR reader on my phone, and it's just a piece of cake, it's super easy for the guys to use. And uh, it, you know, I just want to dispel any intimidation or any hesitation right. that guys would have. So, how do these guys, and by
1: the way, incur- encourage them to use the Life Essentials QR reader because that has features the others don't have. For example, I can take my phone and go to that QR reader, and up will pop a venue of five things. And one of those venues is not the QR reader. It's every video in the Bible. I just touch that and up will pop all the principles. And I scan to any of those 1500 and I can, because every book of the Bible comes up. I go to that. I just touch it. Boom, there's a video. So that QR reader is very quick. Very helpful.
0: So I have a QR reader and it is not that one. So I will go go to Life Essentials QR. I will go get that. Thank you for that. Hey, Gene, how can our guys get a hold of your resources?
1: Well, simply go to our website, BiblePrinciples.org.
0: I appreciate that. Principles.org. Oh, that's pretty simple, man. Thank you so much. Gene, thanks so much for taking your time to share your wisdom and your experience with our men in the arena. I look forward to our next week's podcast interview with you on the measure of a man. Really, really excited about that. Hey, guys, what's next? Let's get our boots on the ground. Hey, you listen to this thing. What's the next step that you're going to take because of today? And so here it is, guys. Listen, we want you guys to get in the habit of reading the Bible. So whether you are a one-day-a-week reader or a one-month reader, we want you to get in the habit of reading it regularly. We want you to up your game. So if you struggle to understand what the Bible says, I want to encourage you to get a copy of the Life Essentials Bible. Gene has partnered with the Men in the Arena. We have right now in route uh, several Bibles right now that we are going to stamp with the Men in the Arena brand on them. They will be available for you. You need to pick this up. This is going to be our official Men in the Arena Bible for Men. So pick this up. This is a tremendous resource, and you're going to love having this a part of your life and studying the Bible. And, uh, man, guys, you got to get into the Word of God. I just think that it is so important. My wife and I were talking about this the other day. The one thing that has changed our marriage is Jesus and obeying what the Bible says. And so I'm super excited. So just go to meninarena.org and you can pick that up. Or if you want one that is not stamped, we don't care. Just go get the thing. Guys, we're also going to post this on our weekly equipping blast for men, so you can subscribe to that by going to our website, grabbing also a free PDF version of my bathroom book for men, and make sure you head over to Facebook and join the thousands of men from around almost 100 crunchies around the world in a daily conversation about what a man is and does. Did you guys know at the Men Arena? Is a nonprofit, crowd-funded organization that exists to inspire men to become their best version. And because of a large group of generous guys like you, we're able to freely offer our podcast, weekly episodes, uh, our equipping blast, discussion forums, plus our small group resources to every missionary and man in underdeveloped nations. You can find out more about that by visiting our website, guys. Until next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor, hear the deafening roar of the crowd, taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Read your Life Essentials Bible. Grind it out
2: and be a man. Men in the Arena. If you hunger to be your best version, join us along with thousands of men from around the world. Check out our Men in the Arena forums. You can join on Facebook or on our website at meninthearena.org. While you're on our website, remember to pick up your free electronic version of Jim's bathroom book for men, The Field Guide. It's a daily study of manly words with epic stories in the Bible. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, everybody wins.